We all know there are six different types of feathers. The first is flight, which are usually found on the wings and tails of birds and do what their name says, help birds fly. The second is contour feathers, found everywhere but the beak and feet of the bird. They provide color at their ends and at the base provide warmth for the bird. The third type is down, which also provide insulation for birds, but are most often known for being used in pillows and other types of stuffing. Those are the three most common types of feathers, but one uncommon type is bristle feathers, which are often found around the mouths of bug-eating birds and act as a funnel to help them ingest their food. But those aren't the types of feathers we're concerned with today. Instead, we want to talk about the ones that have tufts of barbs at the ends of their shafts that are attached to muscles of birds in order to send messages directly to their brains. Those feathers, phyloplume. And I hope you're ready because we're going to phyloplume some messages into your brains right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex. Sonic Boom! You're in the Doom Room. Zoom, zoom. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 4, Episode 4, Casey Patrol. If you haven't checked it out on HBO Max, go watch it because we're going to spoil it. But this is not exactly a bottle episode, but I guess we can call it a bottle episode because none of the main cast of Doom Patrol appear. Instead, we're focusing on Dorothy, morally corrupt, who are now living in Danny the food truck rally, I want to say. is probably Danny the ambulance. What the fuck, bro? It's an ambulance, but there's a food truck rally inside. It feels like there's a lot of different vehicles associated yeah there was campers there's food trucks you know usually unless you're talking about some sort of hot wheel sitch you don't have more cars inside of a car that's all i'm saying Anyway, it, felt we like all... a, it felt like a Hot Wheels sitch. That's something yes. I was thinking. It's like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is like if you collected a little series of... Uh, right, you open up the ambulance and it makes like uh, a I just, truck rally scene or something. I felt like it was, uh, you know, if uh, you could be Optimus Prime's little rover, what it would be like to be inside of the Optimus oh, yeah. Prime car. Yeah, mm-hmm. truck. Totally. Uh, and the most important thing, though, is we're getting the introduction of Casey Brink, who is a character who I believe was co-created by Gerard Way, showed up in the comics a little late. We're getting a different take on her origin than in the comics here, but essentially she is Dorothy's favorite comic book character, Space Case, who gets brought Space to Case. life thanks to Dorothy's powers. They fight a villain who is actually her father, and ultimately it ties into the overall plot of the season so far, but in interesting ways, and we get teased that there's going to be more Dorothy and Casey to come. So, that all said, with this very different mode, I, I will say, watching this, I was concerned about Pete in particular, because I know you like mm. you like your things all in order. You like your cars all in a circle around the campfire where you're cooking the marshmallow and the s'mores and whatever. So I know there were a lot of cars in this episode, so good, but no regular Doom Doom Patrol, so maybe bad. So I'm curious to hear how you net it out. Wow. I just, first off, I'm so moved. Thank you for thinking of me. Yes, I was very excited by the cars in this episode, especially the sweet ride Danny gives them at the end. They get to roll out in the drop top. I mean, damn, that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's really kind of, um, a tough thing because yes, you want, I want more Doom Patrol. I especially want, uh, uh, more of the Janes for sure. Um, but this episode was very touching, very moving, got me a little choked up, got me in the mm. feels. So it's hard to be mad. They did such a great job with it. Um, 
But yeah, there are, I mean, I think it's one of the, what's great about the show is they, you know, they have great things about it that the audience is kind of foaming at the mouth for. And hopefully we get uh, we get our treats. But um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's a little tough because there there's other things that we want. But we were given such a uh, just moving episode and such a well done, uh, I think, uh, kind of bottle, if you will, although I hate to bottle it in. Uh, I think mm. it is a special episode and it deserves acknowledgement and uh, not just kind of labeled something and put off somewhere, you know. Well, to be clear, for anybody who doesn't know, and I assume most of the listening audience knows, but just in case, a bottle episode is usually something that the production does to save you can a recycle. Yes, you can no, it's because uh, we're all babies and we want our babas. Ah, right. Yeah, nice. Well done. Yeah, baby, want bab-bab. We're it all foaming is... at the mouth like a normal um, dog for <laughs> yeah, treats, normal. right? Yeah, right exactly. That's what yeah. you said. We're all foaming at the mouth like a very normal dog. <laughs> I, I don't know what you guys were doing before this, but uh, I was howling at the moon, foaming at the mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a normal. Uh, wow, that, great. Yeah, that's my podcast prep every single time. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> it's foaming at the mouth, howling at the moon podcast. Back to foaming at the mouth. <laughs> right back where you left yeah. off. I brushed my certainly, teeth in between. You certainly know, explains you. a lot. I got to be honest. The yeah. bottle episode is a way a production usually tries to save a little money. They film it in one space. Uh, sometimes it's with off characters, not the main cast like this. Usually it is the main cast. But when you see somebody like, oh, no, we're all trapped in an elevator for an episode or "Uh oh, we have to stay in our apartment for this episode. That's a way to make it a little more direct, save costs. They don't have to travel and necessarily reset quite as much. So that's actually what a bottle episode is, because it is like being trapped in okay, a bottle. And thank you for explaining that. But uh, regardless of budget or whatever, that doesn't mean this is any less of an <laughs> no, episode. No, 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 no. I'm actually explaining that it's an easy way of referring to this episode, because for the most part, it takes place in a relatively... Oh, this is a cheap episode, but you know, whatever, it's, you know... You know. This takes place in a relatively small sphere of place, but it's not actually a bottle episode because they go out of the Danny area. They go into the trailer. They end up in a warehouse for a while. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on there. I'm sure, frankly, not to speak for them, I imagine it was something used to either give a little break for the cast or while they were off filming something else, they were able to film this at the same time and do concentrate on some other stuff. So I'm sure there were some budgetary reasons to do this, but I really like this episode. This is not a slam on the episode and Finally. bottle episodes, frankly, are sometimes the best episodes. Best episode, 100%. And yeah. I also think this, while it does exist sort of in its own story, unrelated to our main cast, by the end of the episode, it is very much a part of our main story. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it is definitely putting a piece on the table that they'll use later. But maybe more importantly, I have to ask, PR, do you, would you consider yourself a slow werewolf? Like you're slowly <laughs> werewolfing out? Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. So. Yeah, Were you bit so. by any sort of, uh, while howling at the moon, uh, uh, another animal that was Not yet, but I'm mouth? putting it out there. That's why you howl. You know what I mean? Because let me say also, for those of you uh, that are only listening to this, Pete looks like he's sort of the beard of the dad in Teen Wolf. You've slowly grown into this sort of father. Hey, I'm trying Uh, to... uh Trying to work out. I don't want to be as as big as that dad, but uh, I appreciate the beard love. Yeah. Uh, Alex, any comments on this topic? No, this sounds great. 
But Alex, yeah, you uh, usually have such a great take on all of our topics, but I haven't heard you weigh in on what I'm the slow werewolf hypothesis. <laughs> uh, I'm just slowly processing it. I gotta got, get back to howling at the mood, and then I think that'll give me some time to really think about this. I've always thought of Pete as more of a Teen Wolf two than a Teen Wolf. Honestly, wow, wow, interesting. How dare you? That's the one that was written by Jeff Loeb. You love Jeff Loeb, right? Oh, oh my god! It stars um, Jason Bateman. Yeah, I no think so. Yes. Is he a cousin of Michael J. Fox? Is that how they worked that out? That root casting? I don't know. It felt like a, perhaps a loose or a not super <laughs> thought out version of it. And uh, honestly, this whole conversation feels like a bottle conversation in our oh larger podcast. God. Absolutely. Yeah, we saved some budget. We, gotta, we saved yeah. some budget on this. We get, we get charged by the amount we actually talk about the show, which is why we <laughs> go wildly oh off the rails as much as we but, do. And let me say also, like, if you look up a picture of the teen dad and teen wolf, this beard is identical to Pete's. Pete, I don't know if you've clocked this, but you need to check this out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I throw it out. I think it's getting a little Too more Santa Claus. Terry do like, like a side by side. Tim Allen has just murdered Santa Claus. And he's mm. like, oh, man, I killed Santa Claus. I hope nothing bad happens. And then he wakes up and he's like in the mirror with his beard. That sort of thing. Oh, nice. Interesting. That's a different touchstone. But I like so it. we got an animation start to this episode, which was really a fun uh, you know, thing that also doesn't seem like a bottle thing to do. They spend a lot of money on some great animation. And, uh, <laughs> so bothered. It, so it, bothered by the budgetary <laughs> concerns of this show. Most of the stuff you drink is out of bottles. So I think you would enjoy me referring to it as a bottle episode. And ironically, Pete, with all this focus and worry about the budget, you'd be a great line producer. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> that's No, big time. That's Before like we the get into job. the specifics of the episode, I do want to ask about another big overall thing, which is the introduction of Space Case Casey Brink here. I, we read the introduction of her back in the day in the Doom Patrol comics when Gerard Way took over with his young animal line, but I'm curious how you felt about this actress's take on the character, on the origin, and her introduction here. Clearly, we love all the Doom Patrol characters. It's always a little bit of an adjustment when you get somebody who is new and big like this, but how do you feel she did? How, how What was your take on her? I thought it was a fun, hilarious take on somebody who was just pulled out of a comic strip. I thought I liked the whole, like, what is this feeling in my stomach? What should I do? Then can't stop eating. I really related to that. Um, so, I yeah, I thought that the actor made some really hilarious choices, fun kind of posings because, you know, it's a panel. So, like, yeah, I thought it was uh, really fun. And it seemed like a good choice and good fit. Um, I I agree. Like, it felt like sometimes bringing a such a direct uh, translation from comic book to screen can feel a little like, oh, this is for the fans. This is a little stilted in its execution and translation. This felt very natural to the show. I mean, it helps that the show is so, like, weird and able yeah. to change uh, on an episode-by-episode episode basis into whatever they're covering. Um, so, But I think they did a good job in making it feel like its own thing. At this, well, at the same time, like it also, it's from a, a much more new era of Doom Patrol than like what we're used to some of these stories being from over the course of the series. So, and I think that actually worked as well. I didn't feel like this was um, super different from what's come before, even though it's referencing comic books from a very different time. Yeah. The thing that made it work for me is how they tied it into the whole emotional thrust of the episode. This idea that Casey is this space, very cheesy comic book superhero, comes out into the real world and suddenly has to deal with 
what is reality? What does that mean? I have these emotions towards this villain who is my father. How do I reconcile that? And how do I figure that out differently with my new life here and eating food for the first time, like we were just talking about and all of these things? But that that came out of not... It felt like it didn't come out of the steed of like, wow, now we're introducing new star of the show, Casey Brinks, so much as what is the emotional journey of Dorothy in particular, this character we've seen before, as guided by morally corrupt and Danny, though they get some great emotional moments as well in this episode. But having those two intersect, Dorothy and Casey, that's what really brought it together to me. And that's what really made it work. Um, Pete. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it was great to see Dorothy. I thought it was such a fun kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, look, it's Dorothy. And it's it was a good start because we get her, you know, uh, telling a story, uh, really kind of taking charge of herself and owning that uh, kind of room in a way. I really was like, oh, wow, look at this. Instead of just coming right in and sad, it showed her like shine a little bit before the kind of clouds uh, kind of emerged over her head and she was kind of sad and struggling with stuff. So, like, I really like that introduction of where we kind of see her. And I, and I feel like uh, they aged her up a little bit, which was cool. So, like, time passed with this character. And it was nice to kind of, like, see that before we kind of uh, uh, went into it. I just, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun intro to Dorothy and everything that was going on. And I like how smart this show is. It's not going to give us a, you remember Dorothy, she's the did to did to did or with Danny or any of that. It was just kind of like picking right up uh, and and was just kind of like, yeah, we're off and running. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I, I, I thought the Dorothy stuff was really great and her kind of losing it and swearing uh, and kind of like a really good monologue at the end there was such a cool uh, a moment. That fuck you was a glorious fuck you. Usually a cliff <sighs> area, but man, she really uh, just uh, Again, so well done. Everyone's taking the swearing thing that leaves Cliff with nothing, and he wasn't even in this episode. Yeah, He's let's out. not remind We're done me with about him. That. <laughs> We're done with him. He's over. Um, Stop Dorothy, it. Dorothy's don't, the new Cliff. Don't bottle uh, Cliff up. But no, Cliff's in a bottle too. He's in a bottle episode. Um, you're having a bottle episode episode, ironically, Pete. Yeah, an I'm going to run to the bottle ap- after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, let's not forget, Dorothy is a part of the Doom Patrol. So it's not like this is a huge departure. And Danny's part of Doom Patrol. like, um, And Morally Corrupt is part of the Doom Patrol. Great to I see think. Morally. So like, like this, all of this sort of fits together. Um, and I, I love seeing these characters. I think Dorothy sort of, Especially in the was it last season that was so much about her and Candleman yeah. and all of that huge like, part she, of it. She's sort of at the core of the philosophy of Doom Patrol, where it's like I have these powers. I don't know if they're good or bad. I have to deal with them, and I need to get better um, emotionally to to live my life. She's maybe the most successful member of the Doom Patrol when it comes yeah. to overcoming the things that get in your way. And in this episode, she confronts an issue. And then immediately recognizes it and then says it uh, by the end of the episode. So I was like, she's the best. She's the least doomed member of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's totally fair. And uh, Dorothy's journey, like you were saying, uh, Pete, I think you mentioned it seemed like she was aged up a little bit. Obviously, the actress has grown up a little bit. How dare you? And let me say also, Alex, Pete, you look a little aged up for this season as well. (laughs) 
Thanks. The uh, I, I did feel like they changed the makeup a little bit, like they yeah. simplified it yeah. a little bit, which I thought was nice, probably nicer for her in the makeup trailer. Also, probably part of these big budgetary concerns that they were dealing with that we've been talking about, <laughs> where they really needed to cut the budget down. So they just slapped some silly putty on her face and like rubbed she a rat on her or something Stop like it. that. So she can get some hair there. Then they're get like, to good the to point. go, good to go. Just improvise your lines. We don't have money for lines. Just go with it. <laughs> have a conversation about howling at the moon and foaming the mouth or something. Like, I don't even fucking care. Doesn't matter. Show's going to get canceled. There's a new DC. Hey, movie. don't say that. James Gunn's going to come in. He's going to change everything. You oh, got come this. on. Boo. Just roll with it. Do whatever you want. I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't care. Wow. Anyway, no, but I'm kidding. But like, I, I did like the new look of her. It did seem like she was grown up. I think she played it as grown up. And this probably... The actress is in her mid to late 20s at this point. It was when she filmed the previous season. So there's probably a fair amount of relief to not be like, I'm playing a little girl. To actually play at least a little closer to her age and more of these emotional layers like we've been talking about throughout. Um, And I I think you're right. Her coming and even with Mora really needling her very hard about what she needed to do, I think she was aware. She just needs to come around to that decision. And most of this episode is about her refusing to come around to the emotional catharsis that she knows she needs to come around to anyway, which like you were saying, Justin, that's much healthier than any other member of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about um, sort of larger world connections and the DC universe, um, we get a reference to um, Crystal and the Dead Boys. At the top of this episode, how they conjured Niles for Dorothy. Um, And there's a Dead Boy Detective series that is still in production, right? Yeah. That we're going to get to see, ostensibly, despite all of the sort of bad news coming out of... uh, All right, some good news. Well, but the weirder part about Uh, it is very similar. And I mean, I guess we'll see what happens as we're taking this. So much is all in flux and all over the place. But... The same way that Doom Patrol was technically a spinoff of Titans, but they recast most of the cast and made it not be connected to Titans. Dead Boy Detectives, they recast most of the cast, and it's not technically connected to Doom Patrol. So we'll see. Maybe that's a good thing in terms of Dead Boy Detectives, because they'll be like, yeah, it's not connected to anything in the past. We're going to roll it out as part of this new DC universe. Or they might be like, "Eh, people are still going to see the tie. So forget it but well and i feel like it makes sense to not hard reference um doom patrol in the dead boy detective spinoff because those characters are sort of larger than doom patrol just ha- they happen to appear here as a launching pad maybe to pitching this show and making it um going forward um but i, I love that as just a premise and the original comic vertigo comics i thought were awesome so like i'm here for that um just from the get-go uh pete you well yeah i mean i just why are you, why are you mad I, bro I'm just, you know, we could have just left it on a nice high note of like, hey, there's this great show coming out. But, you know, then it was just kind of like. We got, uh, what about facts? We're journalists. You can't just leave it on some rosy. This isn't true. You didn't go to school for journalism, either did Zalbin. I mean, you guys were given a microphone that doesn't make you a goddamn journalist. Junior anus school. And Dr. Janice, as we remember, shows up. Dr. Junior anus. She was our teacher at J school. I'm glad we're bringing that where you study all things that start with the letter J. Uh, yeah. You're right, Pete. We didn't go to journalism school, but that doesn't mean we're not journalists. We didn't go yeah. to podcasting school, and actually, that doesn't mean is, we're not podcasters. This is a good uh, point to bring it up. Uh, Justin and I actually met in a Jumanji class. We were studying <laughs> Jumanji over at J That's School. True. And, uh, we were true. like, how can we bring this board game to life? <laughs> didn't do it by the end, but. We were not successful. 
Yeah. Karen Gillan came in to guest lecture about uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Anyways, what oh, I appreciated boy. about this episode was like, we really I just, got I just want to mention we saved ourselves $5 by going on the yeah. tangents. I have a headache trying to think of all of the things you're saying, Alex. Is that? <laughs> uh, anyways, that is I liked one. the kind of like making fun of kind of comics moments and these kind of like cheesy sayings, but uh, when it was heartfelt, you know, Dorothy admitting that she loves that kind of stuff. So I thought it was uh, really fun and like the Chrome Dome line and all that kind of stuff uh, was over the top, but it was done in such a campy, fun way that I think really worked for the show. It was nice to see him kind of uh, have some fun with. And that's when I think Doom Patrol is best, when they're doing, they're being campy, but also touching on really real things. Like there's the whole thing, um, Torminex uh, boxes people up and this sort of like cheesy comic booky, like uh, low budget sci-fi movie way of doing it. But then underneath that is like everyone struggling with the permanence of death on Earth. And it's such a cool way to sort of be doing these two it's it's kitschy in the the right way where you're honoring both sides by doing it in this way and having these deeper underlying themes i just it's weird that you brought that up because if somebody turned turn somebody i love into a cube i wouldn't be like oh this is low budget i'd just be like oh fuck what am i gonna do with this cube you know what i mean you put so it on your shelf man that's, that's an easier way to keep your friends around yeah cube them yeah right? cube them cube, cube them. your friends Cube your friends. I know. We're, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just the season to cube your friends. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say about the Terminox thing that uh, I really like this plot line as well. And this ties into a conversation we had a week or two ago. I don't remember when we talked about this. But that whole idea that Niles says, I believe, in the first season when the big robot is attacking them, they're like, what do they do? And he says, same thing we always do. Try talking to him first. And that the ultimate solution isn't to have this comic booky big fight with Terminox, but for Casey and Terminox to just talk as yeah. Yeah. father and daughter, I thought was so good and so emotional. And the way these two actors played it, breaking down from their arch comic book selves to being real people just talking to each other was really wonderfully acted and directed. Yeah, the please moment was really uh, touching. Uh, but also the the great Caesar's ghost that's top notch was a fun line. I mean, they, they they really hit the range in this. There was really touching, moving moments and very fun kind of comic booky uh, moments as well. And I, what I like about all of this um, stuff is when Casey and Torminox connect, that causes Dorothy to admit that she was locking away her friends and avoiding them because they reminded her, her of her dad and realizing that's bad and she needs to change something about that. And then it, that also pushed even further out for um, Morally Corrupt and, and Danny to be like, you know what, we can't just keep hiding where we are. We need to go out and carve a safe space yeah. in the world because that's what Danny is, is a, is a safe space sort of on wheels uh, or on made of pavement for people to find a place for themselves. And they have to go back and do that. And all of that just like – one good choice makes so many things better mm -hmm. um, is a great message for this episode. And yeah. it's told in a way that we we get to think for ourselves. We don't it's not, you know, straight up told to us. It's shown to us by the actions of these characters. And for all of this to happen at the same time, there's a ton of robot bugs flying around. 
uh, and while at the same time, larger implications about Immortus happening at the end here is just what is so good about this show and why there's value that the show is continuing on. Totally agree with that. I'd also want to mention in terms of the Borley corrupt thing, and I'm sure Pete's going to take an exception to me saying this, but I thought the way that they worked in, like you're getting at here, Justin, the whole societal issues in terms of homophobia and prejudice towards the other with the graffiti that was woven throughout, I thought was great and really well said and like you were saying, tied into the overall themes of the episode, it really contrasted for me with Vic's conversation at Laser Tag in the previous episode that we were talking about that felt a little jammed in in a very different way right. because it didn't, it kind of came there at the end. So I, I don't know. I was, I just wanted to mention that we spent a lot of time talking about that in the previous episode. I don't think that's a knock on the series. That didn't quite work for me. But overall, the series is very good about balancing these bigger overall issues with the overarching plot and individual emotion and weirdness of the episodes. You know, the crazy thing is, you know, like you said that already in the last episode. So bring it back up to, to kind of just make me angry. To contrast just it. Saying, it was not to make you angry. The it was nice to contrast. Thing, just to say the nice thing you could just say like this really worked well, for me this was nice i i think there is value in saying when something doesn't work and when it does because that's how i we take in to me anyway that's how i take in the show where i'm like ah, i didn't really love that and i wonder why and then when i see it really working um like i mean danny's just such a good character for this type of story um and at the same time this issue like keeps getting more important that to be seen like since this show was made um the the stuff that they cover in here with the graffiti and just like um not to get into the politics of it but things that are going on in our outer world like this episode is more important to be seen now than it was when they even filmed it so like yeah, seeing I, I, when it works and when it doesn't i think is valuable to to discuss it, I, I really did think it worked and it was really fun and morally did a great job of like having the fun campy lines, you know, where it's just like, you know, how much paint do you have? You know, that kind of like fun line versus the uh, uh, can it telefax, you know, just hilarious, uh, serious stuff. Um, but yeah, just uh, such a well done episode overall and the kind of like capturing that swing set moment was really uh, cool but then they kind of had this bugs bunny kind of ending where we kind of see the person creating the thing you know where sometimes like bugs bunny or, or daffy duck will get erased and you're like oh there's this cartoonist lord uh kind of uh creating and erasing people at their wheel uh kind of evil kind of moment at the end of this which was kind of a uh, weird moment. Uh, I, I felt like uh, interesting. I can get it like it's a comic book TV show where they have comic books and things are pulled from the comic book. So like it's meta on meta on meta. But I was a little worried about the evil uh, comic book creator who likes necklaces of power. Well, let's talk about that really quickly for anybody who doesn't remember or for whatever reason, even though we gave you a warning at the beginning, didn't watch. But at the end of the episode, Dr. Janice, a.k.a. Dr. Junior Anus, comes in mm. with the necklace that she collected from Rita the last episode. Terminox then comes in with the tuft of hair, the bezoar, whatever it is, that Niles used to wear that Dorothy had, re- we found out over the course of the episode, using Candlemaker, I think that's the name of the character, right? Had yeah. repossessed, and that's what gave Niles 
Wells is immortality, I believe. Um, so now this unnamed artist, this creator, like Pete's talking about, who is drawing scenes from the Space Case comic book, is given both of these necklaces. It seems like he is not necessarily the final boss going on here. There's still a mortis somewhere in the background. But there's certainly something going on in terms of gathering necklaces, drawing these pictures that either come from life or the comic book. Um, I have a theory about it, but I'm curious to hear from you guys. What's yours? Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, first off, let me say, like, when we finish the podcast, I you guys are erased, like, mm-hmm. via draft. Like, does that, is that what happens Except to you? Except for my I, beak. My beak is still here, and I'm like, hey, what's the big idea? Wow. Right, there's a big, there's a a big tongue. Coming. there. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Uh, very arch uh, old cartoon references. Um, the it makes me think like we have um space case that jumps to life out of the comic here mm-hmm. feels like this creator is who is going to cause immortus to rise and these elements are coming together for this person to be the vessel that then immortus will emerge from if that yeah. makes sense um so that's my theory based on sort of a very casual um uh, thought process uh at the end of this episode yeah Pete, uh, did you have a theory? Well, I, I just want to ask you a question, Alex. As someone oh, who sure. has created a comic, if Detective Honey Nuts like actually walked into <laughs> your room called. and like slapped you around <laughs> and was like, "Hey, you fucked up! What are you doing?" You know what I mean? Like, how how would you actually react? Would you like like freak out? Would you cut, check yourself into a mental hospital? Would you run away to the woods? Like, what would you do? So just to check, the character that I created was called Detective Honey Bear. Is this a separate character called Detective Honey Nuts who's coming into my house? And no, it's what we, around? the people who read your stuff, call it behind oh, your back. Oh, the fans. I, the <laughs> yeah. fans, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. All ages comic book that's for children, you yeah. like to call it Detective Honey Nuts. That's what people call it. People. It's not just me. Yeah. Oh, all right. And in your mind, is this a like human detective who has honey dripping from his nuts or what's going on there? No, it's that exactly what you created. What are you having problems out. with? We're uh, not changing your creation. It's just what we call it. It's a oh, nickname, okay. if you will. Uh, affectionate. If, I, I guess yeah. I guess my reaction is if that happened, I'd be like, I think you're looking for Pete. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with that. Well, you can't I don't just know. put that on me. Detective Honey Nuts is certainly looking to slap somebody around, so <laughs> that's on probably you, bro. Gonna See, slap you, that Santa Claus beard You wouldn't beard know off how to face. deal with it, is what you're telling me. You wouldn't know how to deal with it. No, I, I would not it. know how to deal with a fictional character walking in. I'm also, I'm pretty sure, not written by the creators of the Doom Patrol. Or anything like that. So, so not, let not me a just lay out to deal with necessarily. Let me lay out a scenario. Right. Think, when can I put you back in your cube and on my shelf? I'm just wondering, just for like a rough tie range. Pretty close. Yeah, I don't know Pretty how close. magic works. Yeah. Great point. I, I mean, I got to say, I love the idea that Pete, someday millionaire, whether lottery or <laughs> uh, inheritance from a long lost, um, definitely eccentric uncle. But when he has those millions, he will buy the rights to Detective Honey Bear and develop a gritty, hard nosed version of it for television called Detective Honey Nuts. Yeah. Maybe as a fun creative endeavor, but mostly to spite um, the original creator, uh, Alex Albin. Yeah. And then just to check at the end of this story, you're sued by General Mills because clearly you were thinking of Honey Nut Cheerios, right? No. Oh, that's an unrelated coincidence. All right. I I don't understand why you think we, the readers of your content, uh, wouldn't call it a a fun name like Detective Honey Nuts. I don't know. It already has a fun name like Detective Honey Bear. Yeah, it's too complicated. Nobody likes that name. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. 
That's like how fans of Doom Patrol, like us, call it um, Nuts Patrol. <laughs> That's right. It's an affectionate, affectionate nickname. Yeah, Doom yeah. Nuts. By the way, can we wrap this up? Because I got to go on a Nuts Patrol over at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You should call in um, some sort of detective if you yeah, have one. Probably would... should. Anyway, my theory on the end here is, uh, first of all, I think we mentioned this earlier, but in the comic books, Casey Brink is created out of a comic book that Danny actually makes. And I, I don't know if Danny shuts down. I, I think Danny shuts down or just like becomes a normal ambulance. And so Casey comes out of there and doesn't really realize what's happening in the real world. Eventually she interacts with the Doom Patrol and figures out everything that's going on. So certainly this is a riff on that. But I do wonder if we're heading towards, like Pete was intimating, some sort of Chuck a Buck type thing, or more likely some sort of like Grant Morrison Animal Animal Man type thing. For anybody who hasn't mm-hmm. read that, Grant Morrison's Animal Man run ended with Animal Man being like, God, why do all of these horrible things happen to me? I'm going to go find God and give him a piece of my mind. And then it's Grant Morrison who writes the Animal Man comic book. So I don't know. I I wonder if this guy whoever this creator artist is at the end of the day, after the done with all the immortal stuff, potentially the doom patrol is going to be like, why are we so broken? Why is this terrible? And they're going to find themselves face to face with the guy who created doom patrol in this continuity. I, I, I was really trying to listen to the voice to see if we could recognize who that voice was. And if it mm. was, cause who I really wanted to be is the villain from season one, who is so Alan much Tudyk. fun. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Mr. Nobody that would be it's awesome. But I, I don't remember who it was. I, I looked at the credits and then I forgot to write it down. And then I looked him up on I had to be, this is a guy who's had nothing against the actor, but like, he has a random credit here and a couple of random credits there. So it's not How Alan Tiddick. It's not any other necessarily name actor. It's somebody new, but it could still be him. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't mean just because it wasn't that uh, it wasn't Alan in that role in this episode. I think there's a way it could. That would sort of fold back nicely would. on the as a as a series move um, uh, on the whole here, especially when we consider that this is probably the last season of Doom Patrol. Oh, right. Man. So um, that's a fair way of putting it. And last we saw Mr. Nobody, he was trapped inside of a blank white canvas. So bringing him back around to being the artist who is creating and manipulating Doom Patrol throughout the season. I I like this idea. I'm on board with this theory. That's great. And look, we thought of it together. Yay. As a team, as a bunch of cube howling moon rabies. Nuts. nuts, nuts, I I would like to say, though, the fact that like – uh, Dorothy kind of like we felt bad for this giant candle monster. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. candle maker had like a sad ending and we kind of got this really cool moment of like Dorothy admitting like she had to put these monsters away and kind of stay in her prison to do what's kind of best for other people. And now the fact that she's kind of realizing maybe there is a way I could step out and try to stay in control is very exciting. And also this kind of thing of like what, you know, Niles would want, you know, for you know her to find a way to try to make it work. So I, I was just I felt like when they were kind of driving through the uh, space portal there and the sweet ride at the end, like this is a very hopeful kind of uh, episode for, you know, uh, these kind of worlds to clash in a good way, because Doom Patrol needs leadership and needs some a little life injected into it. And Dorothy could be that exact recipe. So uh, yeah. it's nice when this 
you know, episode also takes a heartfelt moment, you know. Dorothy is the new Cliff. There's no doubt about that. Uh, um, you, and the thing with candles is they always um, end up burning out, right? Wow. Well, wow. That's pretty profound. Yeah, Especially if you burn them at both ends, Justin. Wow. Um, okay. I actually, gonna... when I, when I want to use a candle, I just take it and chuck it right into the fire. <laughs> burn, you got to burn your light candle at all ends at the same oh, wow. time. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? That's true. Um, the outside is kind of an end as well. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, I've always said. The outside is an end. Wow. <laughs> Why don't we talk about who was most doomed this episode? Justin, uh, before do we do that, oh, I have yeah. one more thing to say. One more thing to say. Yes. Um, when Space Case eats that taco. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could think of is this is exactly how Pete approaches every single garbage plate. Um, a Rochester, I guess, delicacy. Um, if you haven't heard this, Pete from the Rochester area eats garbage plates. And uh, does that feel um, accurate? Like when you s- approach a garbage plate, it's like you're tasting it for the first time. It's an exciting. Of, uh, uh, yeah. Each time you approach the pr- plate, you're different. You know what I mean? So there's exciting newness uh, to and it's also this question of can I still finish a whole plate? You know what mm. I mean? It's a challenge mm. every time. You know, do you have to ask, by the way, do you have to say, may I approach the plate? <laughs> nope. Depends on the place. If you're at one of those uh, two-star Michelin garbage plate places. Um, and in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, a garbage plate is sort of a bottle um, episode. For no, a how dare you? Because I'll tell you how what, you're you. saving budget if you're eating a garbage plate. There's no doubt about that. No way. Why don't we talk about who was most doomed this episode? Justin, who do you think was most doomed? I mean, this episode featured characters that were um, from a total other realm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard to there's this was a this episode to me was about them being sort of undoomed. Most of the characters, except for, of course, um, the candle maker, the candle man um, himself, which I think is a, a fun turnabout as the major villain for last season is now um, just sort of um, tossed into a fireplace. Um, like all candles. Pete, what about you? Who do you think is most doomed? This I'm going to say Niles. Um, you know, it's been four seasons. I don't think this guy's coming back. You know, mm. I think uh, he's dead and like dead, dead. So, you know, uh, it would be a nice wish for her or to, uh, Niles to get told off by Dorothy one more time. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to go with me for a couple of reasons. One, because oh. apparently Pete is summoning some sort of character called Detective Honey Nuts, who's going to come to my house it's and your character. shit out of me. You created it. Why are you mad at me? But more importantly, whenever anybody figures out that initially I introduced the podcast by saying there are six different types of feathers, but I only listed five of them, that's going to really blow back at me. Uh, I, just I to agree. be clear, I, I know you guys have been sitting on this the entire time we've been talking. The one that I didn't mention is semi-plume, which are cross between down and contour, but I kind of thought phylo-plume was funnier and they both rhyme, so I had to make a choice there. I like oh, that. Well, the- thank, thank you for, yeah. yeah. I like that the rhyme game that we started uh, almost a hundred episodes ago is now becoming a beginning and an end. To the <laughs> also, if anyone did pay attention that closely to Zalbin's uh, kind of rant in the beginning, I'm I'm sorry, and uh, I'm glad that you <laughs> oh, were yeah, rewarded. I'm sorry, though. you had to learn something about feathers on our podcast. Yeah. I think well, it's nice. I, I usually just tune out when you start talking. 
Oh, and I desperately try to think of something that also rhymes with. <laughs> we do an equal amount of work. If you'd like to support this podcast, youtube.com <laughs> slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, before we go, a Pete of advice from Pete LePage. I'd just like to uh, say, uh, listen to yourself, okay? You know, just listen mm. to yourself, because when you die, you're the only one you have to impress. Wow. Whoa. Everything all right, Pete? <laughs> Jesus. Man, I'm throwing the candle. The candle's in. I'm out. <laughs>